PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Welcome, thank you for joining us and supporting the PDPW Weekly Podcast. We're joined by Michael Hoffman, a professional speaker and co-author of the management classic, Positively Outrageous Service. And this week, Michael shares how a certain type of language can impact how we work with each other as a team and a family. Strong families, strong teams. I want to do a series on what makes a tight team. Why is it that when the tornado rises, our families or our teams get closer or they have a tendency to pull apart under stress, especially? And I have a philosophy that that cultures are created. We're not the victims of culture. We create culture, whether it's the culture of the people that I work with every day down at the farm or whether it's uh, my my family that I uh, spend my life with. and, And whether that family is blood family family or whether that family is the people that I choose to to walk through this existence with. But the fact is, is that when people get together, culture is created. And we're not the victims of culture. We create culture. You have more influence than you know. So I want to do a few installments, a series, if you will, on what are some of the elements that build strong families and strong teams. And I'll I'll bring as much as my own personal experience as I possibly can, because as uh, my family, I'm eight out of nine kids. I have a very, very large family. My wife and I have been married for, oh gosh, 38 years this October, and we have four children, three girls and a boy, all in a row, four, within four years. But I've also been involved in teams throughout my career. For the last 25 years, I've had the pleasure of working with organizations around the around the world, basically. And, and I find a common thread. I don't care where we go in the world. People are people. And the things that work, work everywhere. And the things that don't work are obvious. And we can understand those things and to do them on purpose and to avoid them on purpose. So let's do a little series on strong families, strong teams, at least from my point of view, and I hope you'll get something out of it. And I want to focus on understanding that, you know, in creating a culture, let's start here. We're all different. We all approach things different. We, we see things differently. The filters that we've created over a lifetime have been built through experiences and through education and through our upbringings and all kinds of things. The way I see my world, the way I approach life is a little bit genetic and a little bit influenced. So you, that whole nurture nature thing, it's really, I, I'd say both those things when it comes to just the, the the framework in which we see our world and how we how we live in that. And and so we're going to start with the idea of paying attention to you, paying attention to why you see the way that you do, why you experience things through a particular lens that you do. Because if you understand you, you're going to understand others as well. We all have a language. We all have a language that we see things through. And so let's start here. What is your language? What's your language of love? What's your love language? You know, I I have four children and uh, my wife and I were married for five years before we started having children. But man, when we started, they were cranking out. I'll tell you what, we had four within four. (laughs) So my poor wife. But uh, yeah, we had four within four. I guess when the, you know, when the Lord said, yes, be fruitful and multiply. He was not kidding, Jack. We we were, we were very prolific for a while. And uh, my children are are tight. They're, they're older now. They're, two of them are married. One's about to be married. I've got four grandchildren. And when I look at these four, this little this little scenario of how we work together, they cover the gamut. So let's take a look at them because I've learned a lot from watching these people grow up. 
my four kids are like the people that you work with, the people on your teams. And and my, my kids cover the gamut in personalities. My oldest is textbook textbook oldest child. Her first words were, I'll do it myself. She was 32 when she was born. I mean, she really was. She's had an old soul. She sees things deeply, takes things more seriously. She's harder on herself. Classic first sibling order. If you know the, you know, the orders type of philosophy, she is classic firstborn. She's also the one that was most confrontational with me. Her communication style was very confrontational. Her first words out of her mouth were, I doubt that. <laughs> you know, I challenge you, Dad. Uh, she was the first one to throw my techniques and philosophies and approaches in, in working with people back in my face. I remember one time as a teenager, we were having a discussion. It was getting pretty heated. I was getting pretty adamant. And she just turned to me. She goes, look, I can't talk to you anymore until you change your paralanguage. <laughs> Paralanguage is everything that surrounds your words. It's your tone. It's your pace. It's the pitch. It's the, it's the scowl on your face. And basically what she was doing is, look, you know, lighten up your face before we go any further. That was my firstborn daughter. She's a, a, just a pistol and a strong, strong woman. My second daughter lived in the shadow of, of the first daughter. And, and it's classic, you know, three girls. She's the classic middle child. She was also the one that we knew was the evil genius. So we called her the evil genius. She was the most spunky, the most loving life. Her philosophy was, I have to touch it. You know, if, if there was a hot stove and you, you told Maria, Maria, do not touch this stove. See this? This is hot. And she'd look at you. That's hot? And I go, yeah, that's hot. Don't touch that. She goes, this right here. This, this right here is hot? Yep, that is hot. You will hurt yourself if you touch it. This right? Ow! Oh, I touched it. I go, yeah, well, you touched it. Why did you touch it? She goes, I just had to see. I touched it again. Oh my gosh, it's still hot. It's still, why am I touching it? That's my second daughter. She, uh, you know, when you look at my, my hair, my, my full head of gray hair, two thirds of it is from my second daughter. So she was the one that, um, uh, man, if you, even if you had video, she'd still deny it. Her, that was her motto in high school. Deny, deny, deny. And she just lives life to the fullest, even to this day. By, and by the way, uh, she's in her 30s now. She's a mom of two. And I pity the children that she's growing up with because they, they have a mom who has done it all. I'll tell you what. My third daughter is, we called the love bug. She was the manipulator mainly because she saw the uh, the challenges that her older siblings brought to her father and she took the opposite route. She was pro-dad. She was the one that um, just went out of her way to make sure that I knew that I was loved. So she verbalized it. She sent me notes. I remember getting notes in my briefcase from her all the time that said, Dear Dad, I love you and I want you to know I will never treat you like you know who. <laughs> that was my favorite note. I'll always remember that note. <laughs> so, And that's why she's my favorite. So, you know, I, it's true. My children are classic. Just classic first, second, third girls. Uh, oh, my gosh. And my son, my son basically is just the last of uh, four mothers. He, you know, the philosophy is if he actually survives till adulthood, he'll be the catch of the century. Matter of fact, we've been praying for his potential spouse since he was a child. Actually, all of them we did, but especially my son, because you know the woman that captures his heart better be a strong woman because she's coming into a house that, uh, yeah, power people. But the fact is that all of my children approach things very, very differently. Very, very differently. And I have to take that in consideration when I'm working with them. I have to take that in consideration when I'm, when I'm being a dad and disciplining them. I have to take that in consideration into how I support and engage and how I train, how I teach, how all those things, how I love, because they all approach things 
differently. I, I want to talk about love languages because I think that's where it starts. You know, every team has a language. Every team that you work with, whether, whether they're family or not, have a language. How we do things here is created. It's sometimes, actually most of the time, unspoken. This is how we do it. And how we do it is actually more in our influence than we're the victims of. And, and to spend time on thinking about what is our language and how does that adapt depending on the personality types that I'm working with. Because I approach my oldest daughter very differently than I approach my youngest daughter. I talk differently. I, I say things differently. And it's not, you know, one is good, one is bad. It's just that it's needed in this situation. My wife has a love language as well. You know, she's very different than me. I'm a person who I know I need that affirmation. Maybe it's probably why I become a speaker because that immediate gratification, ever since I can remember, I've always loved being in front of an audience and that, 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 that visceral relationship, that, that immediate feedback. There's something going on in my childhood, I'm sure. But the fact is that my wife understands that. I'll give you an example. When I finish a speech that she happens to be at, and she rarely goes to them because it just makes her so nervous. She, she just doesn't like it. It makes, she gets too much angst. So she'll see me afterwards. But she knows that when I get in the car, if she was watching me speak, she will verbalize, this is what I love. This is what I love. This is what I love. This is, this you did great. And the reason why she does that is because she knows that I've got this little demon sitting on my shoulder that is whispering in my ears, doubt. As soon as I say, thank you, good night, everybody. Everybody, I am immediately doubting the things that I didn't say, the things that I missed, the things that I could have gone differently. I start to interpret things negatively, and she knows to kill that voice immediately. It's, it's one of the things I love about her. And, and she does it selflessly, and she, and she does it because I need it. Not because she likes blowing smoke up my skirt, <laughs> but because she knows what I'm fighting on the inside and, and the language that I'm dealing with on the inside. I love that. And in, in the same token, I know that my wife needs me to behave a certain way. We've been dating since we were, gosh, I was 16. She was just turning 16. So she was 15 when we met and we got married at 19. We've been married for a long, long time and we've known each other, you know, most, oh, well, most of our lives. And it's changed over the years. And I know that one of my love languages is words. I use words. I make my living with my mouth. I, I know words. And so I would write her sonnets and these postcards, you know, these, you can get her cards. I remember in high school, I, I, I wanted to impress her. So I would get her these, these streams of cards that, that she got every day for like a week on her birthday. And I would write these sonnets. And then the last one was a postcard that was like three by five. You know, one of those big letter cards. And I just, I filled it. I wrote, wrote everything. Sonnets just gushed on these words. Well, living with each other all these years, I realized that, you know, words of affirmation are not really her strong point. That's not her love language. Her love language is action. You know, it's a physical touch. It's acts of service. She would rather have me empty the garbage than give her a card. <laughs> If I really wanted to impress her, as a matter of fact, uh, we'll get into this a little bit deeper, but I would find ways to do things for her, to show my love, than to tell her, because that has more weight for her. So languages are tremendously important, and we all see things differently and do things differently. And the more I pay attention to my team, the more I start to understand that my behavior should change. I'm going to recommend a book for you. It's called Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. The Languages of Love. Oh my gosh. I really get a lot out of this book because it reinforces everything that I talk about and, and really sort of emphasize. But the book crystallizes sort of a really great technique that you can jump into this idea almost immediately. 
and it'll bring you up to speed. Now, he calls uh, languages of love into five areas. And basically, it's how we give love and how we receive love. And if you think about these things, the simplicity of it is what I really, really love. So I'm going to take this particular approach and pass it on and really recommend that you read the book because this whole series you can bring into the teams that you work with, you can bring it to the people at home. As a matter of fact, I'm going to recommend almost immediately that everybody go through this. You can go online, look up Gary Chapman, Five Languages of Love, and take his little survey online because it'll immediately tell you, give you a little synopsis of here's you, this is how you give love, this is how you receive love. And when I mean love, I'm talking about the way we impact and interact with each other. And the more I start to think about what you need for me to do to impact you deeper and more effectively, and the more I do that on purpose, the more you see me for you. And it's one of the foundations of a strong family. Are you for me? If I took your title away from you, would your people still follow you? Any boss that I've found to be any worthwhile, one of the, one of the strongest things is I know they are for me. And if you're going to be for me, I don't have to be for me. And so when you're able to work like this, all defenses sort of come down. It's sort of that I know the first thought out of your mind is the positive in me versus a negative of me. Well, well, these relationships and attitudes are created and grown. So these five love languages, think about yourself first. The love languages are words of affirmation, that's a language, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. I like those categories. I think they're broad enough, and, and I think they, they, they really kind of capture the, the gamut of experiences. And believe it or not, all five of those are you. You're not one. We don't, we don't put ourselves into a box, but they are ranked. They are ranked. There are some that you will lean towards others. It's not like my wife doesn't want words of affirmation. She does. I have to tell her things all the time. Especially because if I don't say things, whether it's written word or, or spoken word, she'll have a tendency to fill them in on her own. That's what her brain does. It's an amazing thing. So I have to use words of affirmation, but she'd rather have acts of service if I really want to work with her, if I want to please her, if I want to reward her. So things are ranked. Now, I took my ranking and uh, took my little test, and, and words of affirmation are number one for me. Words of affirmation, uh, receiving gifts was number two. <laughs> uh, physical touch, quality time, and acts of service. And it's kind of funny. My wife is exactly the opposite. Isn't that interesting? Opposites attract. It happens over and over again. My wife is exactly the opposite, which means that if I'm going to affirm my wife, I'm not going to give her an entire sonnet. I'm going to tell her I love her. But then what I do is every morning I wake up in the morning early and I have my power hour, my quiet time, my, my prayer time where I, I, I do my reading and I do my reflections, lift up my family and you. And I also get the dishes done. I make sure the kitchen is clean because I want my wife waking up to a, uh, you know, garbage that has been taken out, dishes that are not on the counter and anything that's in the sink is, is done. And I've been doing that for years. And it's, and it's something that she starts the day off positive, right? She notices it. Matter of fact, she knows that my love language, number one, is words of affirmation. So she tells me how much she appreciates when I do that. That's what I'm talking about. When I know what my love languages are, I can help the people that I work with work with me more effectively. You know, in talking these things out, I not only do I start to understand myself a little bit more, but I start to understand how we work with each other. Very, very important. One of my love languages from my daughter is quality time. It's it's number one, number two, and words of affirmation. She's like her dad. So uh, the best thing I can do for her is have coffee once a week. 
have coffee once a week and just tell her how proud I am of her. You know, my oldest daughter, she wants quality time, but from afar. You know, she's got this thing where she has to, you know, prove herself. And so even in her adulthood, she's in her 30s now, it's, you know, we're not going to go and ha- and play games with each other. My, my youngest daughter, my gosh, if we, if we built a puzzle, that would be heaven to her. My oldest daughter, I'd rather have you play with my children. I'd rather have you spend quality time with her kids. Uh, She likes that because in affirming her children, I'm affirming her. And now words of affirmation with her are really great. So I've got to sneak in those things. She doesn't want me to gush on her. She's not a gusher. But I will be specific when I talk to her about how she is doing as a parent how she is doing as a spouse. I I give my observations that just sort of bolster her up that she's accomplishing what she wants to accomplish. (laughs) My second daughter is also great. Because of her, uh, I guess, growing up and and, and the challenges that we had in, in her just tasting life and all the things that teenagers do, I have to spend an exorbitant amount of time giving her words of affirmation around how much... I am for her because we had a rough teenagehood. And so that doesn't linger and that I, and I see her differently. And I, I, I wish I could tell you stories, but stories of forgiveness, stories of dragging things out that we went through in her teenage years and me apologizing for how I responded and, and her apologizing. That time together has grown and that she's really need because there were breakages. So just knowing the love language gives me an idea of how we work with each other. Physical touch is is important to her. So lots of hugs with number two. Lots of hugs. That's the way that I affirm her that I am for her. I am her dad. will always love her. Those types of things. Even to adulthood, it's kind of crazy. These five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, physical touch. Let's just spend just a few seconds kind of going through each one and give you some ideas of what you could do. I really recommend you take a test, you know, take the test, find out what your love languages are. And then a fun activity to do with your group is to have them take the test and then talk about it, have a lunch and learn, sit down and express the different orders because we have all five, just what's your ranking. And what does that mean in how we work together as a team? Physical touch is kind of challenging under COVID. <laughs> Not that there was a lot of huggage when we were working together down on the farm, you know what I'm talking about. But there are still some things that we can do to express these types of languages that are important to everybody else. So words of affirmation. Here's some actions and some communication things to avoid that you may want to do in considering words of affirmation. So um, spoken words, written words, written cards, written letters, say it. If somebody leans towards words of affirmation as their language, don't keep your thoughts to yourself. They need to hear it. They want to read it. So communication is tremendously important. So sending encouraging words. When you notice something, don't hesitate to give it to them. Don't hold back on the compliments. Don't hold back on an affirming spirit because somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, they need that outside source to really build up their internal self-focus and and how they see themselves. Just know that the impact of your emotionally charged words have a lot of power. So watch your undue criticism. Watch those emotionally harsh words that we use because they have more impact. I have to be very careful with my third daughter in how I criticize because I could bring up one little thing and if there's an inkling that I am unhappy with it, it crushes her. So I have to, I have to watch how I bring up criticism. We still have to criticize and we still have, or, or at least bring up issues that have to be addressed. 
But the way I do that is very different than my my first daughter, which is get it on the table. Tell me what you think. What, what What's the issue? Let's go. You know what I mean? So words of affirmation. Quality time. If your love language is quality time, just think about that. What are we doing to spend time together? Running errands, taking trips, doing things together, spending that time together, going on walks, sitting and talking is massively important. Communication style, those quiet places with no interruptions, which is really great. Turning off the cell phone during gatherings, maybe having team gatherings at lunch where we have the cell box, you know, where everybody puts their, their cells into the phone for just an hour as we spend time together. Massively important for people who like quality time. Undivided attention, one on one conversations. Things to avoid are things like too much time with friends or groups that are not with us. In other words, isolation. When I am isolated and my one of my love languages is quality time, that has a that has an adverse impact on me more than you know. Gaps in time between meetings or gatherings. So think about that. When quality time is important, what can we do to constantly connect with each other? You know, I saw something in an office the other day that I thought was really great. It was an office that did, because of COVID, one of the things that their group likes to do is they've got a lot of people with quality time. You know, a lot of people on the phone, but we don't connect with people. And these are, these are strong people, people. So what they did was they started several games on the wall. I've never seen a vertical chess board before, but they started a vertical chess game on the board and they had a, a little box next to it that was white or black, which means that, you know, who's up? Is it the white turn or is it the black turn? And everybody played the game. So you've got one move for the day and everybody played chess and, and then they flipped over. Okay, now it's the white turns. Now it's the black turn. Even though we're not face to face or connected with each other because of this silly time that we're going through, they still got a chance to play together. And they had a chessboard on the wall. They had tic-tac-toe. They had uh, Scrabble on the board. It was just wonderful, that little bit of quality time to keep the team connected during challenging. Oh, I loved it. Okay, receiving gifts. Receiving gifts. So gift giving, giving time, remembering special occasions. My gosh, that's important for people whose love language is receiving gifts. Remembering milestones. Woo, that's a big one. Anytime I get an excuse to party. <laughs> My third daughter loves getting gifts. And here's how I know it. She gets something in the mail every day from either Amazon or somebody that she knows online. She buys more stuff online just so that she gets gifts. It's like Christmas every day with this girl. It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. Giving small tokens. It doesn't have to be big. Love notes, just notes of appreciation. Feedback written is, is a, can be a little tasty treat. Private giving of gifts. Pleasant facial expressions can be a gift. Just knowing that when I can affirm you in a gift-giving way, it has tremendous power. So things to kind of avoid when you have somebody who's really leaning towards the tangible things, and that's materialism. Uh, you know, what I mean by materialism is is thinking that it's got to be huge. It really doesn't. It really, really, matter of fact, sometimes the more sentimental, the better. Or forgetting special events. Just know that, you know, when people have a, a love language of receiving gifts, that milestones are tremendously important. And the more we can recognize that, the better. Acts of service. Acts of service of those people. So here's some ideas. Assisting with house chores, like I, I gave some examples with my wife. Ongoing acts of helpfulness. Exchanging of chores. So maybe doing things that uh, other people are doing out, out on the field. Helping them out, you know, when, when you know things are, are challenging. Uh, stepping into giving a hand goes a long way with people that have acts of service. Words like, what can I do for you? I 
I will stop and get that for you today. Or uh, today I did this for you and I'm not bragging. I'm just letting you know that I'm thinking about you and I've done this for you today. And I know that, you know, like my wife, I'm, I'm not trying to brag or get points, but I know that when she knows that I'm, I've been doing things, she lets go of it. And it's important to her. Making a checklist is very big for acts of service people. They, they know they're accomplishing things. Or, or maybe overcommitting to tasks. Because if, if I don't accomplish with people that love acts of service, then it has a tendency to backfire. So physical touch, let's do the last one, physical touch. Physical touch, obviously it's obvious. The more I can do hugs or pats or touches or, or basically sitting close, proximity is massive. Now I know, you know, especially in the workforce, this may be a little bit uh, HR issue-ish and of course it is. And we're not talking about being weird. What I'm talking about is understanding that this is a strength for me. I receive love. I receive connection through the physical touch. I have to watch this because I am a physical touch. It's high on my list. And so I'm a hugger. And for those of you who have seen me in action, you know, I have no bubble. <laughs> That's how you know people are physical touch. They just have, they right up in your face, close talkers, which really drives nuts for people who, you know, aren't. <laughs> so I have to be very aware of my proximity because I am a physical touch guy. And so I will lean towards that without even knowing it. People who know me, they know a handshake goes a lot, a pat on the back, a touch on my forearm, pleasant facial expressions, even if we're not connected. The eyes are the window of the soul. So your facial expression is everything. I call it paralanguage. Your facial expressions, your the smile on your face, the tone of your voice, those have more of, of an impact in how I'm saying my words to people with physical touch than most people. So any type, you can really pay attention to your nonverbals. Tremendously important for those that uh, the physicalness is tremendously important because how you're saying it is almost more important and more impactful than what you're saying. Things to avoid. Uh, physical abuse obviously uh, has more of an impact. I would never, you know, strike any of my children. However, you know, I have to watch it because I will crush my kids that are into physical touch. Like my second daughter, physical touch was very huge. So I have to really pay attention because coming up and over will just by raising my voice will do more damage than anything I, I will, will say. Or neglecting, but that's even worse. To avoid that, neglecting is a powerful impact uh, negatively on people who, who really thrive on physical touch. So th these things to think about when I'm working with my team, with my family, really have impact on how we get along. And the entire idea is strong families, strong teams are created. So what can I possibly do today to get my family together? And once again, even if you've talked about it before, because this has been around for a while and, and I love people who go, oh yeah, no, we love the language, love languages. Here's a tip, bring it up again. This is something that we will spend the rest of our lives talking about. Has it changed? What's more important? I want to have a conversation with my team. I want to get them around the table and, and have a lunch on talking about our love languages because it impacts the way that we work with each other out in the field, how we work with each other in the, in the office, how we work with each other when we're not connected and what we need in the interim before we get together again. This is a wonderful way to talk about what I need from you and what you need from me and gives us an opportunity to really, you know, bring up to surface the things we do on purpose to create that strong family, strong team. And it starts with the language. Let's ignite and equip our languages of love. Our thanks to Michael Hoffman for today's message. You can find more information about Michael at ignitingperformance.com. 
And a big thank you to you for taking the time to listen and support these PDPW weekly podcasts. We hope they carry you through the week in a positive way. Until next time, have a safe week. PDPW, Dairy's professional development organization. More details at pdpw.org.